0: Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to bring us finally to the last in our series about race, the last podcast in our series about race. Uh, we've talked about all kinds of things related to relate race in this four part series. Um, attitudes, cultures uh, we've talked about film we've talked about uh, the surprising kind of stupid uh, racism that's alive in our society right now as opposed to at least a faux science kind of racism that seemed to be supported in the 1800s. Um, we've just discussed every kind of thing and I want to I want to reflect a little bit on some of the feedback I've been getting from uh, those of you who have been listening I've been traveling. Uh, in the Carolinas here lately, up in Washington, D.C., and I've had a number of African Americans come and express gratitude for the podcast and things that we've said and um, essentially say, you know, we're, tr- we're trying to get over wounds, we're trying to understand uh, a, a different approach to uh, white society, and it was just helpful to have a white guy talk about these things. Um, that was gratifying to me. I was glad for that. But the things that touched me most um, were where people have either written in or walked up to me where they knew me on an airport or wherever and said, listen, I battle some serious racism and I didn't fully realize it until I listened to your podcast and understood what racism is and understood how uh, associating a skin color with a certain culture, maybe an inferior culture in the sense that it's violent or drug ridden or something of that nature, um, that to do that is a form of racism as though to assume that all who are shooting people in the inner cities are black skinned or uh, you know things of that nature, and and it was really it really has been touching to listen to people uh, again standing right in the middle of a terminal at an airport cry uh, about the kinds of conversations that their families had at the dinner table, uh, about the attitudes that their parents impressed upon the kids, uh, about the way that that became sort of a, 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 a heat-seeking missile in the sense that once they had their attitudes towards say blacks or Asians or Hispanics turned a certain way. All their experience through life uh, seemed to confirm these bigoted opinions, and it's hurt them in their jobs. Some of them had even been reprimanded the military for it. Uh, some had it, yeah, one guy had actually lost his job because he had. Uh, been joking about African Americans, and it hadn't gone well. It was against company policy, and he got fired. So it's been a very, very rewarding experience. On the one hand, and on the other hand, it's been touching and somewhat disturbing that people are still dealing with uh, such astonishing attitudes. You know, Bev and I woke up this morning, turned on the television, and heard reports on MSNBC about how women still don't make equal pay with men, and we're fairly informed human beings. We turned and looked at each other and said, is, we thought this was solved. <laughs> we thought this was done. I mean, we, we didn't know it was even legal to pay a woman something different for, for, from a man for the same work. Well, the same thing is true when it comes to racism. I am uh, completely stunned that we have come back to this state in our society, uh, given the civil rights movement, given uh, the battles coming out of the Civil War, given some of the wonderfully articulate leaders Uh, In in the matters of race and even from other countries like Nelson Mandela, it's astonishing to me that we are back in this sort of racial tension that we seem to be discussing all the time. The thing that touched me the most and the thing I want to answer for the rest of this podcast uh, was when people would ask me, what do I do to change these attitudes? Uh, one family, for example, said, yes, our parents, my kids' grandparents uh, are racist. They they really don't like anybody who's not of white skin. Uh, they talk about it all the time. They think the decline of America is related to uh, an influx of immigrants and people of non-white skin color, all of that kind of racist attitude. We've absorbed some of it. We're working against it. This is a husband and wife speaking. What do we do? What are the things that we can do uh, to make a difference? And I I think that there are a number of steps and I'm going to mention them. Some of them are obvious, some of them less obvious. Um, but I, I think that one of the most important things we can do, and it's not the only thing we can do. In fact, if we only do this, I think we're going to have some myths and some, uh, some misunderstandings, some out of proportion sort of perspectives on, on any given people group. Uh, but obviously the most accessible way to begin to get somehow, in some way in touch with, uh, your own racism and begin to see other races in a positive way uh, is to read a bit, uh, read the literature and don't just read pop literature. Don't just read, you know, the, the luscious breath novels, as I call the romance novels, you know, written by a black woman or something. Read the literature about the great, uh, the great books that are about a given people. Um, I remember once when I was talking to some young Asian women who were actually friends of mine and I said look I don't I know a little bit about African- American literature I don't know much about Asian American literature what should I read and before it was even a movie uh, there was a book called the Joy Luck Club and they said this has got its stereotypes like all literature but it's the closest thing that we have would you read this and, and interact with us about it and I did and I, I'm certainly no expert on Asian American women uh, but it was it was the through the lens of this book and a woman chronicling the experience of her family Family uh, that I came to understand what I what I wouldn't have understood uh, any other way. Being a you know white male uh, you know Anglo, uh, I would not have understood the experience of Asian women in America. Very 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 helpful. Uh, The same things to an African American literature. The same things to a Native American literature. Uh, We perhaps can put up on our later podcast or somewhere on our site uh, a list of, of recommended books. But there are. Uh, there's wonderful literature that you can invest in. There's been, been some wonderful uh, Hispanic literature of late, chronicling the Hispanic uh, experience in America. Uh, and so I, I recommend investing in the literature. I don't want to see people only do that because I think that's a little bit academic, a little bit intellectual, but it could be a starting place at least to understand the experience. Of course, you know that I believe that movies help. They need to be good movies. And we need to remember that people aren't locked into uh, to these, some of these stereotypes or some of these time periods. For example, you, know, you can't watch The Color Purple and think you're going to understand the guys that you're going to school with. I mean, that's, that's crazy. It's a hundred years gap in that story. And uh, and while it will help, it'll give some background, it'll help a, perhaps a white person understand the thought forms of a, of a, and the memories, cultural memory of an African American uh, in this country today. Uh, that alone is not going to get us where we need to go. But it does help. It absolutely does help. Um, I think, too, that uh, there are some wonderful documentaries being made by PBS. Uh, Recently, there was a fine five-part series on Hispanic Americans, shot by and produced by Hispanic Americans. It was perhaps the finest piece on uh, a people group in America I've ever seen. Uh, So you want to be sure and check that out. But I don't want books, movies, television to be the way that you interact with the people group actually walking the streets. Uh, the best way to begin to pull down uh, the stereotypes that perhaps have bedeviled your family is to actually, in a, in a minor way, I'm going to use a major phrase for a relatively minor thing, cross the color line. Um, consider, if your problem is African Americans, going to an African American church. Uh, consider befriending those who are in your neighborhood consider uh having a dinner consider putting yourself in a position where you're actually interacting i spend a great deal of time in the african-american community and i'm astonished by the myths that still prevail uh it's like something out of the middle ages or the more mythological earlier periods of american history uh it's astonishing what people will think um I'm going to be risk being insulting for a moment, but I had a conversation with a high-ranking army officer who was still convinced that blacks were better athletes because they had different muscles from whites, which is, of course, a complete myth. Um, but it's the kind of thing that, uh, that grew out of slavery and the, the use of African-Americans as slaves and as you know engines of economic development and so on. I, I think the point is that these myths come down as we interact. And so part of the question I'd have, I'm thinking of the young couple who, with two kids who were decrying their racist family background. I mean, do you know any black people? Do you spend time with any black people? Do you put yourself in a position where you can know black people? Uh, what, what, what is it that, that you do to sort of interact? Uh, this is, this is a lot of the problem. In our modern society, we live in little isolated cloisters like, like so many icebergs on an ICC. And, uh, and we we don't interact very much and i I urge you in this in our society, it just does not have to be a problem. it just does not have to be a problem so Get into a church, spend time with some Sikhs. I talked to some people this past week who have a very difficult time with Sikhs. Um, as we know, there, there are people who struggle with anti Semitism, and this comes from all sorts of directions. Uh, most of those who came to me on this issue were African Americans who believe certain myths and, and sort of the way our politics aligns, where often, for example, in New York, it's, it's black interests versus Jewish interests. And of course, much of this is a myth, but this is, this is how it's played out in their experience. Uh, I, I can't urge enough. Uh, that you cross lines, that you spend time with people representative of any given people group you have a problem with, uh, that you build relationships, that you open your home, uh, and that you begin to stop treating people as though they're, you know, under a microscope. And I, th- I think that one of the things that will make a big difference too, uh, I always teach people that when they're trying to forgive, they should find the hook of compassion, meaning, if I'm angry at my father because maybe he wasn't a great father, can I, go, can I look over his life and find some, something that I can have compassion for? Maybe he wasn't fathered well, or maybe he had some deformity in his life that he couldn't get on top of, and then maybe he wasn't the best father for me. If I can figure out some way to believe something other than he just evil or didn't love me, or you know, if I can just try to get into his soul a little bit and understand, it makes a difference. Well, I would recommend you do the same thing now. For example, uh, black, young black men are uh, some of the most troubled people in our society if you're looking at drug addiction rates, you're looking at arrest rates, you're looking at prison, etc. But I strongly urge you to read the writings of Joshua Du Bois. I strongly urge you to read some of the really trenchant articles that have been in Newsweek and Time recently about young black men. I strongly urge you to try to find the hook of compassion about the people that maybe you are having difficulty with. You believe some myths about you had some racism toward embedded in your soul. What is the experience of a young black men, man? Man, uh, what is the typical uh, inner city uh, African American family? Again, if this is the issue, uh, what is your your perspective on this? And what what is it you don't know about what they're experiencing. We can all go around tisk tisk, tisking about what's going on with young black men in in the south side of Chicago, but do we have any sense of their economic condition? Do we have any sense of the breakdown of the family? Do we have any sense of how poor the schools are there? Do we have any sense of how uh, their well-being is often a political football and never really fully addressed? And then I want to say, too, just as a final thought, that for some of you, some of the ones who came up to speak to me uh, were people who uh, their problem were not some of the traditional ones, Jewish, black, white, black. But they they were troubled by the Asian uh, infusion in the last decades and troubled that their kids uh, didn't rank as highly in academic performance and felt like uh, Asian Americans were getting preferential treatment. This, of course, doesn't stand up to the to the analysis, the statistics. Um, it's it's not a matter of preferential treatment. It's a different culture. What's the what's the culture in Asian society, in Asian family structure that produces these smart, brilliant kids? Um, and what's the difference between, let's say, the typical white suburban culture uh, and what it produces of their children. Whenever you start speaking about race, whenever you start looking at, at skin color, whenever you try to look at racial politics and racial cultural issues, people squirm. They get uncomfortable. It's, it's not something that we're used to. It's, we're as clumsy talking about race as we are talking about religion. But I was moved by how just my few little thoughts, couldn't have been more than 30 minutes because it was three podcasts at 10 minutes, um, moved people to write me and say, help me break out of this. What do I do? And so you hear it from me. Pray, read, try to understand, get the hook of compassion, understand the good, the redemptive good about a people group, and then get out of your home and have real life experience. Get into the middle of it. Get into the church. Go to the temple. Talk to the person. uh, Interview people. Find out what's going on. Uh, don't live in an isolation that just breeds misunderstanding and the kind of absolutely stupid racism that we're dealing with in our society now. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author and popular speaker who coaches and advises leaders worldwide. To learn more about Stephen, log on to stephenmansfield.tv. The Stephen Mansfield podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote and performed the Rockin' Podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production. Chartwell is ingeniously led by Beverly Darnell Mansfield. As a result, all rights are reserved. For more information, contact us through StephenMansfield.tv.